but if that movie came out today, you'd be nitpicking it like crazy while you're jerking off to the latest Cinema Sins video. Radio Drone. Welcome to a special episode of Radio Drone. It is I, Josh Hadley, the most hated person on the internet, along with Brad <laughs> Jones? Yeah, that's right. It's 2009 again. What's up? Man, in this day and age, in 2017, you're not the most hated person on the internet anymore. <laughs> that actually hurts a little bit, man. You don't <laughs> need to be so mean. That's how, that's how crazy things have gotten. <laughs> That's true. Before we get into the topic that brought you back here, you guys need to go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free power O-ring, and free U.S. shipping. Just use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Obviously, my reputation is I bitch about things a lot. And, you know, your reputation as the cinema snob is you bitch about things a lot. So yeah. I wanted to make a positive episode. Let's look at the best movies, or let me rephrase that, our favorite movies from the last 16, 16 and a half years. So from 2000 and up, the qualifier I'm going to throw out is, I don't think all of these are great movies on my list, but they're movies I love. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? No, oh, absolutely. Well, they, when I put together this list, it really... I didn't literally go through every single released film of the last 16 years. I looked at a lot of stuff that I'd seen and was also kind of combining it with off the top of my head. If I had really combed through everything that I'd seen of the last 16 years, I'm sure there's probably some stuff that I've forgotten. I'm, I'm sure there's probably, like, if I sifted through the tens of thousands of movies, I'd probably like, oh, maybe that should have been on there. So what I came down here on this list is I, thinking off the top of my head and also, yeah, kind of just really skimming through and just picking stuff that kind of either stuck with me or I'm like, yeah, that that's a movie I loved and it should be and it should definitely be on here. But I don't know if that's the case with with you. Do you think if you would actually look literally at every single movie that came out? You... I, I, I kind of did. I did like a quick Wikipedia search to kind of there were movies I'd forgotten about. Like, oh, yeah, that was after 2000. You yeah. know, some, something like Bad Boys 2 made my list. And right. I had forgotten that was actually a post 2000 movie. But yeah. It's a fantastic 80s style action movie. Uh huh. Bad Boys 2 is so good, and I wasn't a big fan of the first one. But I think to start off, I'm going to go with a, a pretty mainstream pick. Mm -hmm. John Wick was f***ing awesome. Yeah. No, I, I came close to putting that on my list. I, I didn't put a lot from, like, the last, like, one or two years, because I would kind of want to wait for some stuff to, to, like, sink in and let and let them be in my head for a long time. See how well they age. 
Right, and, and John Wick is a movie that I know in 10 years from now, I'm going to love it just as much then as I do now. John Wick is a blast of a movie. John Wick, an action movie that knew how to do an action movie. There's nothing wasted in the film. The mm-hmm. film doesn't have those slow lulls that action movies sometimes do, mm-hmm. yet it never feels like it's skipping anything. It does what a lot of 80s action movies did really well, where it was all about the personality of the character, meaning his intimidation, how scared he makes you feel, how you feel threatened when you're looking at him, how in this universe you buy that Keanu Reeves as John Wick, this character of very few words, can do everything he does in this movie. Absolutely. Now, John Wick 2, I enjoyed the hell out of, but I thought got a little too ridiculous, but I am looking forward to John Wick 3 if that amounts to anything. I loved John Wick too. I, I I did. I was probably yeah. I I I probably liked the first one a little bit better, but that's two movies that I absolutely loved. Oh, these are in no particular order, by the way. These are just they're not in order in any kind of chronological order or alphabetical or even from like or even ranked in terms of how much I liked them. It's just a list. So at the top of mine, I put down the Babadook. I still haven't seen that one, so I can't argue with the with that one way or the or the other. The Babadook is like a modern day The Shining. It's just terrifying to see the progression of this woman go crazier and crazier as this movie goes on to the end of the movie to where it's like, I'm pretty sure this person's going to fly out of the screen and just kill me. The lead in this movie is haunting. Like, when it gets to the end, she's just crashing through doors and just chasing around this kid. It feels like, it's like the end of The Stepfather, where you're like, I'm pretty sure Terry, uh, Terry O'Quinn is gonna murder this girl. Not the character, the actor's going to murder her. Yeah, this started out as a family comedy. Well, a a pick I have, I don't know if you saw this from 2015, the Michael Ironside time travel movie, Synchronicity. No, I didn't. I only picked it up, I rented it, because Michael Ironside's on the back of the box. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Synchronicity turned out to be the smartest, most clever time travel movie I've ever seen. Nice. It actually did something new with time travel that I had never seen before. When something like that pops up, you can't turn it down. Oh, but yeah. a, 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 one I know you loved as well, 10 Cloverfield Lane was absolutely amazing. And I hated the first Cloverfield. I was very apprehensive going <laughs> through this, I was like, eh. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. If you don't like the first one, then why would you look forward to seeing something that seems like it might be a sequel, or at least kind of in-universe? Well, and then uh, I got one on my list I know you're going to love, and I'm going to call it by the title I refer to it as, Port of Call New Orleans. Because to me, it's not a bad lieutenant movie. Oh, yeah. Port of Call New Orleans is one of Nicolas Cage's best performances ever, Mm. and that's taking Kiss of Death into consideration. Yeah, I agree. It's one of his best performances since leaving Las Vegas. It's a really, really underrated movie. And it's one of those films that, and I hate it when this happens, where, like, yeah, there's a lot of very over-the-top Nicolas Cage performances and everything. And there's there's movies like The Wicker Man, where his his crazy performance in that is kind of what makes that movie watchable, even though it's a bad movie. And Port of Call New Orleans has what some people do, where they'll take, like, a scene or two of it out of context and put it in with clips and, like, look at crazy Nick Cage! <laughs> Completely leaving out the context of it and how really haunting his performance does make that movie. Without him, that movie would not work. I, I I cannot see another actor in that part. I just can't. Even if they somehow wanted to connect it and had Harvey Keitel in that role, it's it wouldn't work. It's mm-hmm. got to be Nick Cage. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about time travel earlier, and one of the ones that I put down was the Ethan Hawke movie Predestination. 
I almost, I, I really don't want to describe a lot of things about it, except it, it is about a guy who knows how to time travel and he's trying to stop a, a terrorism event. It's one of those movies where if you kind of say anything more than that, you'll really be giving a lot of things away. <laughs> well, speaking of doing something unique with a old genre, did you see Daybreakers? Yeah. I thought yeah, Daybreakers was absolutely fantastic. And am I the only one who thought Daybreakers felt like a John Carpenter movie? Yeah, especially with the Willem Dafoe character in there. That felt right out of Vampires. I don't just mean Vampires. I mean, the it just the style was so John Carpenter <laughs> throughout the whole film. I can see that. And that movie came out at a time where vampire movies were for teenagers, you know. Like that was around where, you know, Twilight was still going on. And those were kind of the monster movies that were coming out. And then here comes Daybreakers, where I'm sure a lot of people going into it might have thought like, well, okay, here's going to be another modern take on vampires. And then you go see it, and it's a very old school vampire movie. Um, it's not for kids, for one. It's for adults. And it was very fascinating with how it built its society up to see how vampires function in this universe. Also, the, the twist ending yeah. is very, very clever. Another movie of mine that really plays with the genres that it's in is unbreakable. Um, um, You're going right to 2000, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to double check to see what year it was. So yeah, unbreakable is a movie still is my favorite movie that M. Night Shyamalan's ever done. And I, I, I do like a lot of it. I do. I, I love a lot of his movies and, and some of them I don't. <laughs> After earth, we can forget happened, right? I don't even consider that to be a Shyamalan movie. That's, that's a Will Smith movie where Shyamalan was just, a hired hand. Um, no, Unbreakable is, there's a lot of superhero movies or comic book movies that take in their characters and maybe put them in a slightly more realistic setting or maybe made them more grounded, like, uh, Logan, for one. Logan or, uh, some of the Batman movies have certainly tried taking their characters and putting them more in, like, a slightly realistic setting compared to some of the other things obviously logan compared to some of the other x-men movies um the dark knight versus like the 60s tv series unbreakable is about as in the real world as you can get with playing with its tropes and it's and it the, the idea of what you have about what a superhero is and what a super villain is and what they kind of mean in the grand scheme of things like samuel jackson talking about comic books is like a modern day putting uh, drawings on caveman walls and how this works in our society uh, philosophically. And Unbreakable, despite being pretty freaking suspenseful, is the closest to where it's been like, you know what? This movie is doing a really good job of convincing me that superheroes maybe do exist. <laughs> so are you looking forward to the the, te the what was teased at the end of Split then? Yeah, because I really loved Split, even before the ending. And the ending I loved, I certainly didn't see that coming. But I I, I love Split. And it, and it makes sense that both of those are in the same universe. Because what Unbreakable does for, like, the stereotypical, like, comic book hero, Split certainly does with, with a villain, with having a villain as its lead. So I am kind of looking forward to that. Like, I always thought it would be cool if they did something else in the Unbreakable universe, and Split certainly did. So that was a movie that I've always really loved, and I've watched it recently, and for me, it's still, it's, it's still held up. See, for me, Shyamalan, I know the movie has problems, but I gotta go Signs. I really like Signs. 
Signs is one of those few films. And remember, I'm a jaded some bitch. Uh huh. That actually scared me. There were yeah. a couple of jump scares that that movie earned. No, totally. I I completely agree. And and you know what? Signs is is one of those movies that when it came out, all of the critics for the most part really loved the movie. I remember the audience reaction to the movie being very positive. It was a box office hit. I know several people that went to go see it more than once. But then when it got to the point in Shyamalan's career where he was doing some movies that weren't going over well with critics or audiences like Lady in the Water or The Happening, suddenly signs started getting thrown in with that. Suddenly I started seeing these people like, ugh, signs, ugh, stupid. I'm like, you weren't singing that when the movie first came out. Yeah, I mean the movie does have problems with it. Like, yeah, they're not they're, they're not insurmountable problems. Mm-hmm. The good in that movie outweighs the bad. Yeah, I com- I completely agree. I thought the movie I thought it was a very effective movie. You want to talk about an effective movie from a filmmaker that everyone abandoned? Uwe Boll's Assault on Wall Street mm-hmm. was phenomenal. I didn't. See- I mean, everybody who watches this goes. I can't believe Uwe Boll directed this. Mm-hmm. Assault on Wall Street is so good. And, you know, the third Rampage movie, President Down, was pretty good, too. Is it Uwe better Uwe than Uwe the second trying. one? Oh, way better than the second one. I still like the first one best, uh-huh. but President Down is way better than the second one. No, I, I did like the first one. I, I, I did. I, I did really like the first Rampage movie. Brad, mm. we, we can't we can't ignore arguably the best action movie of the decade that's probably not going to be supplanted. Fury Road. It's on my list. Fury Road was just amazing. I almost went back to see it again the same night. Yeah. I I, I almost convinced, I was still married at the time, mm-hmm. I almost convinced my wife, we need to stand in line to go see this again. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple of action movies on mine. A few, honestly. Mad Max Fury Road is definitely one of them. It was like a the best rock concert you've ever been to as an action movie. <laughs> and it was a nice, hard R Warner Brothers flick, too. I mean, they run over a pregnant woman with a monster truck in a uh-huh. mainstream movie. Mm-hmm. And I got, I, I figured that one would be one that would also be on your list. I've also got Dread on mine. Oh, Dread was phenomenal. Yeah, Dread is so great. And it, it, Dread did something that I wish more comic book movies would, would do. And there's certainly a lot that I do really like and, and enjoy. Uh, but most of them do, or a fair number of them at least, always have something to do with the the world needs saving. There's a super villain and we need these superheroes to or these heroes in general to stop just the world from getting destroyed or taken over or, or whatever. Dread does something that I wish more would do in the sense that here is our hero, Dread, just about this very this mission that doesn't involve saving the planet. He's stuck inside of a building where a bunch of people want to kill him and he needs to get, he needs to get to the top of it, kill Lena Headley. And I wish more movies like that were at, were as small scale in plot as, as that film. Like here is our hero. Dread is just, Dread is just another day in his life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I really loved and appreciated that about that film. Okay. If we're going to talk Dread, we got to talk about the film it did not rip off, The Raid. The, the Raid is also on my list. The Raid and The Raid 2 are on my list. See, oh, okay, everyone likes The Raid 2 better, and I think Raid 2 is a great movie. I happen to like the first one better. I thought The Raid 2, it was a little more self-indulgent. There were way too many subplots. 
and some of the fights went on past the point of, will somebody just kill this guy already? But I, I, Raid 2's good, but I, I gotta go Raid for my pick of those. Well, the Raid 2 is, the Raid and the Raid 2 are night and day. Like, they're, they're so different from each other that I can understand why one would like one more so the other, more so than the other and vice versa. Uh, the Raid is, again, a movie about, some guys that are stuck in this horrible situation and need to fight their way out of it. And then when you get into the raid two, it branches off of that and becomes kind of like the Godfather part two. Yeah, you know? raid two was very much more a crime thriller. And I liked that about it. I, I really did. I love that it really did go kind of like Godfather two with its, <laughs> in terms of its, it being a sequel. It didn't just simply do the same movie again. I appreciated that. I loved the fight scenes in it. I loved how, Huge it was. It's a two and a half hour movie and it made this big Coppola epic out of it. God, there's gotta be what, 25 main characters at some point in the film? Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 you don't see that a lot with sequels where they are, where they just go all out in world building in its sequel as opposed to again, just doing the same thing again. What about all the throwback movies? Did you see Turbo Kid? No, no, I didn't. Turbo Kid, this is the way we put it on the show a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Turbo Kid is a modern movie that Empire Pictures would have made in 1986. I don't know if that's a selling point or not. But, okay, if you haven't seen Turbo Kid, what about the other... It's not really a throwback, but the nice guys. I, I thought the nice it. guys. The, 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 I thought the story was nothing great, but the writing, the camaraderie between Gosling and Russell Crowe mm. was just impeccable. Exactly. I loved the nice guys. It was one of my favorite movies from last year. It just it really captured a style of filmmaking. Yeah. It, it had a it had a seventies. Okay. You know how, like, when Tarantino made Jackie Brown, it yep. was very much a 1997 movie, mm -hmm. but it felt like a 70s movie? Yeah. I thought that's what The Nice Guys was like. It was very much a 2016 movie, but it, it felt 70s without the beating you over the head with the constant, look, it's the 70s stuff. Yeah. Nice Guys is a great way to do a throwback movie like that. And there is one, a kind of a throwback movie on mine that also has Ryan Gosling in it. I put Drive on mine. I've still never gotten around to see that everybody tells me it's really good. But I, that and Only God Forgives, everybody tells me are fantastic, and I just have not gotten around to seeing those yet. I, uh, I've never met anyone who's liked Only God Forgives, but... Cecil and Peter on this show both love it, so... Okay, so that means it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I set myself up for that, and in my head, I'm like, do I... I don't know how to... I might as well finish this sentence. <laughs> you might as well go for it, man. <laughs> but, okay, if we're going to talk throwbacks, there are two here. There are sequels. I loved Machete, yeah. and I hated Machete Kills. I'm there with you on that. <laughs> Machete felt like a Grindhouse movie. Yeah. Machete Kills felt like a parody of a Grindhouse movie. Machete Kills was an 80-minute funnier-die sketch. The, the helicopter kill? Ugh, I, I totally agree. I thought Gibson was great. Gibson actually looked like he was having a good time. The same way, you know, you know how Seagal, you know, basically won't even take a movie where he has to stand up anymore. Seagal almost stole Machete from Danny Trejo. God, like, that when, when Seagal was in Machete, I was like... I have not seen this Seagal in a long time. Like, that was refreshing seeing Steven Seagal back and actually giving a shit. I, I wonder if he even remembered that he once beat up Danny Trejo in Marked for Death. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, let's go to comic book movies. Mm-hmm. The this one that I'm going to name it's it's a terrible comic book movie, but it's a fantastic movie, and that's Constantine. Oh. It absolutely gets everything wrong about the comic book version of the character to the point where the people who co-created that character asked for their names to not be on the film. Mm-hmm. But it's an amazing supernatural thriller. Yeah, I I do have Batman Begins and The Dark Knight on mine. I enjoy taking these characters and putting them in this almost like Michael Mann crime thriller world. And so I I put those on there, like making these like almost heat-esque crime thrillers out of Batman characters. I I enjoyed that. And in terms of Michael Mann, I also have Collateral on mine. Okay, that's one of the few Michael Manns I haven't seen, but if we're going to talk action movies, what about Smoking Aces? Oh, Smoking Aces is a blast. And you know what? I'm one of the. I I might be in a minority here. I actually like the ending that they used on the movie over the alternate ending. I don't even know what the alternate ending is. It gets to the same place, but it, it it's it, it's just a little more callous about it. He just pulls out his gun and shoots him yeah. instead of that long build up of him locking them out and everything. It, it gets to the same place, but I think it's actually more artistic, if that's the right word for a movie like Smoking Aces. No, I, in the in the theatrical cut. I know what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the ending of the theatrical cut. Granted, I haven't seen the alternate ending, but going off of what you said, I, I enjoyed the, uh, I enjoyed the, the ending in the theatrical. I, I really like Smoking Aces. I never saw the sequel though. I, I was told <laughs> I, it's not very good. I, I haven't either. You brought up, uh, Bad Boys 2 earlier, and there is a Michael Bay movie that's on mine. Pain and Gain? Pain and Gain. Like, that's on mine as well. I was like, you know what? Yes. I love Pain and Gain. I think Pain and Gain is, it is just Michael Bay's batshit movie about the American dream. It is Michael Bay making this crazy ass dark comedy about this group of guys wish they were in a Michael Bay movie. Like it's Michael Bay just completely playing with his own cliches and his own genre. Like how they're walking away in slow motion when an explosion goes off and he flinches. It's insane. It is, it's, I, I I loved it when it first came out. I I spoke so highly of that movie. I put it on my year-end best list. I think when Michael Bay is able to just go crazy like that, whether it's Pain and Gain or Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2, The Rock, he is really good at what he does when he's really unleashed like that, and he can kind of just just simply make his vision or whatever batshit insanity he wants to he wants to put in front of the camera. Pain and Gain is a movie where he actually kind of is trying to say something versus the Michael Bay we get when he does stuff like Transformers or Armageddon or something like that. Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Yeah, like I don't like leashed Michael Bay. <laughs> Well, speaking of unleashed and batshit crazy, mm-hmm. I know you didn't like the movie as much as I did, but I thought John Dies at the End was one of the most unique and unpredictable movies I'd seen in at least 15 years. I thought the movie was fine, and I knew that would be, when I was thinking in my head about what would be on yours, I knew that one would be on there, and I do remember liking it, but I don't remember much about it, honestly. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I watch a lot of movies, certainly, but I, I do remember liking it. I, I don't remember much about it, but I, I, I certainly didn't dislike the movie. Okay, how about a sequel that not a lot of people like, but was still damn good, like Predators? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
I thought Predators was, it's not as good as Predator 2. I don't understand why everybody shit on this movie so hard when it came out. It was a really well done movie. The movie definitely has its audience. Like, I knew people who didn't care much for, the, you know what, the people I know, or the people I heard from that didn't care much for Predators is kind of that group where they wouldn't have liked something like that anyway. Like, they can't take their nitpick goggles off for five minutes to enjoy something that really is kind of what you've been wanting for several years. Like, it's that same group where it's like, yeah, you say you love Predator, but if that movie came out today, you'd be nitpicking it like crazy while you're jerking off to the latest Cinema Sins video. But I, I know I know a lot of people who love Predators, and I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. That was a, that was a Predator movie I'd been wanting to see for a while. And I'm really hoping that Shane Black and Fred Decker can deliver on The Predator because it's so, it, everything I've heard about it sounds really unique and like they're really actually trying to do something different this time. Mm-hmm. And I this this one that I have is certainly relative. Uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, given uh, Chuck Barris's passing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I was gonna say I hadn't thought about that movie in what what was that ten years ago it came out maybe something like that. Then all of a sudden Chuck Barris dies and I'm like I might have to go rewatch this. Oh, it's it still holds up and I loved it when it first came out. I'm not it, it's the script was written by Charlie Kaufman and I'm not even that big of a Charlie Kaufman fan honestly, but goddamn I really love this movie because it's it's a great. I mean it's ba- it, yeah Charlie Kaufman wrote the script but it is based on Chuck Barris's book. And I love Chuck Barris anyway. I think Chuck Barris is a genius and god damn is if this isn't a great story. Like this idea of Chuck Barris as a CIA hitman who used doing stuff like the newlywed date game, the dating game, all this stuff like basically just as a front to work for the CIA and take out these people. Like that is a brilliant story. It's one that like I'm like I I hope to God that's true. (laughs) We'll never know now, will we? (laughs) I really hope that's true. Like, dear, but even if it's not, God damn, is that a great story? Okay, do you have any on your list that are movies you loved by a filmmaker you generally don't? Um, no, not really, honestly. I guess the closest would be the fact that Charlie Kaufman wrote Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and it's not even that I think Charlie Kaufman's bad. He just does a lot of movies that just really aren't my thing. Well, the reason I bring that up is I've got one on my list. I hate Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. but I thought Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou was just amazing. I, I love Wes Anderson, and Life Aquatic, Life Aquatic I thought was fine. It, it's not one of my favorites of his, but it's it's one that was kind of polarizing when it came out. It was, and I, I don't know why. I loved it, and I've seen every other one of his films, and I'm like, why am I watching this pretentious crap? And then Steve, Steve Zizou I just enjoyed thoroughly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Life like, Aquatic is any more or less pretentious than his other movies. Okay, it, it, it's just as pretentious, yeah. but for somehow it's more fun. I don't know, maybe it's Bill Murray's just, you know, what, what if Jacques Cousteau were a jerk performance? And that's what, and I really like that about the movie. I, I enjoy that flick, especially Goldblum's performance. And that movie, what I like about that movie is, I, I could say that, I could say that about the other movies of his I like, which is, he still knows how to have fun. Whether it's a movie I like or dislike, he still has characters that have some life to him. 
Like there might be, there's at least a sense of quirk. There's a lot of quirkiness to it. There's a lot of like really oddball screwball situations going on. It's not like watching a Terrence Malick movie. <laughs> oh, do you mean the movies that will not end? <laughs> I know most of his movies are only around the two, two and a half hour mark, but they feel like they're all day affairs. Uh, he's got a new one out now. Of course he does. <laughs> I, I'm going to be polarizing here. I got two movies on my list that everyone hates, mm-hmm. except me. I loved Southland Tales and The Spirit. You know what? I did like The Spirit. <laughs> the Spirit, you, you know who, you know who stole that movie? Mm. Scarlett Johansson. Oddly enough, yeah. <laughs> because she kind of had this Kiff Croker kind of Oh, you know, she knows she's smarter than the boss, but she knows her place as as the assistant. And honestly, she stole every scene she was in in that movie. When I saw her in that, I was like, see, she can have fun in a movie. Yeah, but then she makes Lucy. I, I had a really good time with that movie. I kept getting so mad at how dumb the movie thought I was when I was watching it. <laughs> it's, I don't know if Lucy is a movie that's really trying to be smart. I really think it's a movie that, like, Lucy is a movie that has an ending where she meets dinosaurs. Like, I don't... And she turns into a flash drive. Yeah, like, I think that movie, that movie's just look Bassan just being crazy. <laughs> well, okay, th- you like the spirit as well. What about Southland Tales? No, but at least, you know, I mean, Southland Tales is a movie that, I, I, I get why somebody would enjoy it. It's it's a unique film. It's certainly a movie that is trying to say something. I could not get into that movie, but I, I get it. I, 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 I it certainly has a style that's all its own, <laughs> and I, I can't say I've seen anything like it necessarily. But I didn't really like what I was seeing. Also, you get to see The Rock act like a pussy. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Because he's basically a pussy in the whole movie. You got Kevin Smith with no legs and a giant long beard. I mean, you know, characters just break into music videos for no reason. Hustler runs the military. I think that's awesome. And I can, I can see why it has an audience. I totally can. I, I couldn't ever get into it. There was really nothing that, that hooked me into the film. Fair enough. Uh, another one off my list is, uh, this I actually remember putting at number one. My best movies that year, and it's a uh, best worst movie. Not only do you get a really good look at the making of that kind of movie, a movie like Troll 2 with Claudio Fergasso behind it, it really gave you a sense of what it was maybe like to be on the set of some of those movies where they're piggybacking off of uh, an American movie, in this case Troll, making their own sequel to it by a crazy person like Claudio Fergasso doing their own exploitation movie and it, it coming across really awkward because they're, I guess they're trying to give what they think is like American slang, but it drink it, the milk, Brad. So it, it, it was fascinating to watch in that regard. And it was also a fascinating look at just the so bad it's good culture itself. People who like, Movies like Troll 2, like myself included, like Troll 2 is a very entertaining movie. It was cool getting a look at, at that, about what makes these movies enjoyable, what makes this kind of bad movie enjoyable to an audience. And even looking at uh, the convention circuits as well, like uh, when the cast of Troll 2 goes to these conventions, and maybe at one convention they're like a rock star. There's so many people there to meet them and get autographs. And then at another convention that's maybe in another country, no one knows who the hell they are. Like, 
it was uh in a lot of different ways it was it was a fantastic look at at all of those things and really insightful well okay what about a movie where the supporting cast upstages the star and director mm-hmm. something like man with the iron fist <laughs> oh, that, i thought ain't that the truth rizza was the least charismatic and least interesting person in that movie. I thought Russell Crowe was the character I wanted to see more of, oh, honestly. Russell Crowe just up and stole that movie. Yeah, and he's only supposed to be supporting cast. And mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was just phenomenal. Then there was that brother-sister team of the ninjas. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm way more interested in them. I mean, Rizza directed the damn movie and co-wrote it. Yeah. How does he make himself the least interesting character? <laughs> and just, wow. And just really inappropriate sound track choices just kind of distracted me while watching that film god damn if russell crowe didn't didn't kind of make it worth the ticket price i do oh, ab- there was no way around it that's a russell crowe movie oh, yeah. even if it's not one i uh I, I do have a movie on mine that is from a director where a lot of his stuff that i don't like it's uh rob zombies the devil's rejects that's on my list as well yeah that was you know what? If he goes the rest of his career making stuff that I don't really care that much for, you know, at least he does have that. He did make a ma- he did he does have a masterpiece to his name. And I can't say that I've hated every single one of his other movies. I I haven't. I I I, I can say good things about some of his his flicks. There are a couple that I really just genuinely was like Lords of Salem for one. I actually thought 31 was worse than Lords of Salem. And Lords of Salem is really bad. I thought Lords of, I liked Lords of Salem least, I think. I was less, I was less mad at 31. 31, I at least really liked the villain. By villain, do you mean Doomhead or Malcolm McDowell? Doomhead. The one with the cigar. Okay, Doomhead, yeah, he, he was, but he was in almost a different movie than the rest of the characters. But at least that movie was good. Like, at least, Whatever movie Doomhead was in, like, he owned every second he was on screen. Unfortunately, he's he's in it a little bit at the beginning and then maybe the last half hour of the movie. But man, when he was on screen, I can at least give the movie that. The the lower budget films, like, have you seen the the Canadian Brazilian co-production Zoom? The I'm thinking of the Tim Allen movies. What's no, 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 no. This is the one with Tyler LeBain and Allison Pill where they they work at a sex doll factory and then they accidentally start smuggling drugs. But then her comic book starts coming to life and part of the movie's animated. And it, it's kind of four separate stories that are all connected in a super clever way. No, no, I never saw that. I, th- that one's on my list for being, wow, that was really, really clever. Nice. Good on you. You ever see? I saw. Did you ever see? I saw the devil. I did not. I've heard that one's supposed to be pretty good, though. It's great. That was that's that's on mine, and that that was number one on my list of the best movies of the of the year that the the particular year that that movie came out. At least the year it came to the states. That is a it's an intense African movie about this guy just fucking with a serial killer throughout the thing. <laughs> well, okay. What about at the time of this recording, a brand new movie, Kong Skull Island was fantastic. I, I loved Kong Skull Island. And I hated Godzilla. I thought Edward's Godzilla was garbage. So I went into this with a lot of trepidation and came out going, that movie was fucking awesome. And I don't, I don't hate Edward's Godzilla, but I got a lot of problems with that movie. Kong Skull Island was a blast. Kong Skull Island, I think, took a lot of the criticisms of Godzilla to heart and didn't do what that, the, the bad things about, about that movie. God, uh, Kong Skull Island 
one, aside from being a really fun monster movie, is a is a great love letter to Vietnam movies. I thought setting it in Vietnam was a fantastic stylistic choice. I did too. I totally did. I, I was sitting there like, why has this not happened sooner? This, this is, <laughs> these are perfect ingredients together. And, and it was a hard, hard PG-13. If it was not for them not swearing, this was an R-rated movie. If it was, if that, if that was an indie movie, that would have been an R so fast. Like, that movie has a cannibal holocaust death scene in it. Not even that. There's all of the, just people getting stepped on and the goo coming out mm-hmm. when Kong is rampaging. I mean, he grabs that one guy and you can almost see like his body parts start to come out. And it's like, man, this thing is really getting graphic. Oh yeah. Up until the review, I think Brian just assumed it was an R. And I was like, oh no, that, that was a PG-13. Brian's like, what the heck? Really? Now I have confidence in the, what they're calling, I guess, the monster verse. I have confidence in this, although it's going to be difficult to bring those same characters back. You got a 30 some year gap. You're going to either have to have some old age makeup or yeah. a lot of explanation. Yeah, that's that's odd. That's odd. And it it really showed that that movie really shows you how performance is very much what what elevates characters in a movie like this. Uh, Godzilla had a problem with the fact one, it killed off its most interesting character 30 minutes in, and two, it just saddled us with these bland-ass performances through the rest of it. Kong Skull Island was smart in that, like, while maybe you don't have certainly the most three-dimensional character on paper, you have people like Samuel L. Jackson and John Goodman and all these people bringing, bringing life to it, making it, making them feel like people. Am I the only one that thought just for a moment there, John Goodman was playing like like the brother or uncle of his Ten Cloverfield Lane character for just a second. <laughs> or it's it's Walter Sobchak in Vietnam. <laughs> well, w- Walter survived Vietnam though. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking about that too. His his Ten Cloverfield Lane character. Well, no, I got I got a surprising comedy on my list. I actually forgot that was this was from two thousand the two thousands Super Troopers. With a sequel coming out, I, I can't remember if it's this year or next year, the first Super Troopers movie is way funnier than it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one that I've gone back and revisited, and it, it holds up. It, it holds up. In fact, it might hold up better for me now than it did then, because it got to a point with that movie, which this can happen with a lot of comedies where you kind of get tired of people quoting it all the damn time. And that's a movie where, like, time has certainly passed. You don't see that quite as much, and you you can you can enjoy a lot of aspects about it without thinking about the fact that, like, oh yeah, this guy I always hang out with at the bar won't stop quoting this. And I do have a comedy on mine, because I, I was like, I really should put a comedy on here. I do like comedies. Um, I put Wally on mine. Is I don't know what you call. I mean, Wally. Is a comedy. It kinda? But you, you don't normally think of that as a comedy in the traditional sense. Yeah, though. not in the traditional sense. Not necessarily, but it, 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 it certainly does have comedy in it. I wouldn't, yeah, it's sci-fi, comedy, drama, like it. That movie, especially in the first, I, I, I love both halves of the movie. I know a lot of people who are like, I love the first half, but I hate the second half. And no, I love them both. I think they both complement each other really well. The first half is like this, really beautiful movie about this post-apocalyptic world and this robot just kind of cleaning up after it. And then the second half gives you an idea how it got to that point. So I do love both halves of that movie. I think it's, it's still to this day, it's, it's still my favorite Pixar movie. 
I, I didn't, I didn't dislike that movie, but I, I wouldn't ever put it on one of my best of lists, but it was not a bad movie. No, not at all. It's, it's a gorgeous film, especially how it works in like old movie footage and everything. It's, it says, so, oh, it's clever. It's very clever. Yeah. It, it says so much, especially in the first, in the first half, it says so much by very little, if any dialogue. <laughs> How about, okay, Amy Adams did not have a good beginning of the year with Batman versus Superman, which was ass. Yeah. But what about The Arrival? I thought The Arrival was honestly one of the smarter movies I saw at the end of 2016. Oh, same here. I loved Arrival. It was on my best, it was on my best of list. And I'll bet you, like, uh, I didn't put anything from 2016 on there, cause like I said, it's sort of like, I like things to like, kind of just settle for a while but with that being said i'm sure in a few years time i would definitely have something like hell or high water or zootopia on a list like this have you seen the early i think it was 2002 the lucy Liu cyberpunk movie cypher no i didn't see that that's one of those ones you can get on those on those Brentwood, you know, ten movies for two dollar sets. Mm-hmm. It's a really clever non action movie cyberpunk film. It does have a twist ending, which I saw coming a mile away, but I think a lot of people wouldn't. I'm so jaded, and I've read so much cyberpunk. I think if you're not a huge cyberpunk fan, the ending will actually get you. Right on, cool. Yeah, no, I don't even know if I've heard of that movie uh, off the top of my it's- head. It's like a corporate espionage, and this is not a spoiler because all this shit happens in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> it's it, it, He might be a double agent for corporate espionage, but he also might be a triple agent for another company, but he might be a double agent for that triple agent company. Yeah. It's one of those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. That's all I had on my list. Well, then l- l- let's talk about the beginning of a franchise that was not a franchise. Right in 2000, Pitch Black. Yeah. I loved, I loved the Riddick movie, the solo one, and Chronicles I enjoyed. Pitch Black is the best film in that franchise so far. Absolutely. That movie still holds up. Pitch Black is a lot of fun. Pitch Black is fantastic. I actually think Chronicles and then later just Riddick kind of dilute the Riddick character a little bit from what he was in the first film, honestly. Because yeah, the first one, he is very much an anti-hero. Oh, he's a, he's a straight up villain. Yeah. In the first film. Mm-hmm. And the first film did have a legitimate twist. The whole Jack being a girl thing, that got me the first time. And yeah, yeah okay, it's a spoiler, but it's been, it's a 17 year old movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had a couple more on my list, such as, I know everyone hated it and everyone hates Zack Snyder, rightfully so these days. Watchmen was, was, just phenomenal. And Watchmen is a movie that when it came out, it got good reviews and I knew a lot of people who really dug the hell out of that. The people I, the, <laughs> there's some people I know who really didn't like it because they went into it thinking it was going to be like an X-Men movie. Hey, but, but here's the thing about Watchmen. I like the movie's ending better mm-hmm. than the comic. I think it's, it's more logical. It's built up better. And it just makes more sense. I, it, I mean, Alan Moore admits in the comic he pulled the ending of the comic out of his ass. Kind of felt like that. This ending felt like it was set up, you know? Yeah, and it looks better on film than the ending of the comic The comic would have looked as a movie. No, I, I, did, I did really enjoy that movie. And that actually kind of goes back to what we were saying about Signs and Shyamalan earlier, where because Zack Snyder has done some crap after that, Watchmen seems to suddenly be get, get suddenly get pulled into that even though i remember a lot of people and critics really liking that when it came out yeah but then he went and made sucker punch and pissed all that goodwill away <laughs> right i forgot about that <laughs> S- sucker punch is 
an aptly named movie because that's what it did to the audience. And then one he did, he did that owl movie, The Guardians of Gahul. I enjoyed that. I did too. And it's one that people forget is actually one of his, which is unfortunate because it's one of his better movies. Exactly. Well, I had another one from an old director. I loved Land of the Dead. Oh, no, so did I. You know, everyone kind of throws that away that, you know, you cannot have another Romero dead movie that's good after day. I mean, okay, Survival and Diary were not very good. No. Actually, Survival was ass. Diary was kind of good. Land was legitimately a good film. Yeah, and I've, I've still said it because I, I didn't like either Diary or Survival, but I still maintain at least Land, you know, is is still pretty solid. Oh, there is one. That actually... Actually, I, I, there is one that I forgot on mine. Uh, that it, it's on my list. I just accidentally skimmed past it and didn't see it. I put, I put Shaun of the Dead on mine. Oh, Shaun of the Dead was so funny and so witty and smart. I remember seeing Shaun of the Dead on a Halloween midnight screening the day before it opened. For some reason, our theater got got it the, a day early. I thought this was amazing. I'd not seen a trailer. I went into that movie cold and went out going, these guys. These guys have a future. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, and and it's a horror comedy that is definitely both of those things. And what I mean by that is like when it's a, it doesn't skimp on the horror. No, it doesn't. And when it when it's funny, it's very funny. But it does get very serious. It gets serious in like that a straight up horror movie would. Uh, There's another independent one from 2013 that I saw. It goes under a bunch of different titles, but I saw it as the Baytown Outlaws. For some reason, the trailer listed as the Baytown Disco. It's very much a Smoking Aces knockoff, but I enjoyed the hell out of it. It, it, It's one of those ones where Billy Bob Thornton is a sleazy drug dealer, drug dealing overlord. Mm -hmm. Do you need more than that? (laughs) Right. So there are a lot of good movies post-2000 out there. I mean, like, you know, I have that reputation that you partially gave me of not liking anything after 1995. There's a lot of good movies out there. Well, it's because usually you don't like a lot of movies past night. I didn't say it was unwarranted. <laughs> you just happen to find about 16 that you like. <laughs> yeah, there are some good movies out there. There's also a lot of crap. My, my girlfriend dragged me to, for instance, The Boss. And I was like, oh my god. I, yeah, the boss wasn't a very good movie. (laughs) No, it was not. (laughs) That was, yeah, we we didn't care too much for that. I'd never seen the trailer or anything. We rented blindly the Brothers Grimsby. Oh. And... If if Sausage Party had not come out the same year, that would have been my worst film of the year. Man. But then Sausage Party came out. Oh, but you you thought Sausage Party was worse than Brothers Grimsby? Yeah, I I, I I it took me four attempts to finish Sausage Party. I was hating it so much I kept turning it off. Sausage And then I'm like, no, I need to finish this. Sausage Sausage Party is not a worse movie than Brothers Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> Brothers Grimsby is almost as almost Freddy got fingered bad. Yeah, it it is. Uh, I saw God, I hated that movie. That was a crap weekend for me, anyway. Um, like I was going through a lot of emotional crap when Brothers Grimsby came out, but I had to go see that movie because we see everything. So Brothers Grimsby. So I'm sitting there just having the worst freaking week. Like I'm depressed and all of this stuff. And so I got to sit there and watch this damn movie with them hiding in an elephant's vagina while it gets screwed. and then getting screwed and then getting screwed by another i'm like screw this 
at least Sausage Party is trying to be a movie about where it's kind of commenting on religion and other social issues and things like that, whether you like the movie or not. Brothers Grimsby was just about nothing but garbage. Brothers Grimsby was so horrible. I- I've only ever walked out of a film once, and that was Star Trek V. Oh, okay. Once they started shooting God with photons, I was finished. Yeah. And I'm a huge Star Trek fan. Mm. Brothers Grimsby, I only rented it. I was like, you know what? I'm. S- it's been a long time since I've seriously considered turning off a movie and not going back to it. Especially when I paid for it. I've I've rented movies and watched movies on TV that I've stopped watching. Theatrically, I only walked out of Hillary's America. As you should have. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, you know what? If I was going to pick one, I'm glad it was that one. So I there's been movies I've, I've watched on TV where I've been like, yeah, you know what? No, I'm going to go do something else with my day. And, like, at least you're watching Brothers Grimsby at home. I had to see that crap on a giant screen in front of my face. Brad, I want to thank you for coming on to this strangely positive radio drome again. Yeah. So just to tell the audience who are not tuning in for only you, <laughs> where can people find you? You can find me at thecinemasnob.com. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash stonedgremlinproductions. I'm also on channelawesome.com. And uh, I think that's it. Had, You're all over, man. I haven't had to do that in a long time. <laughs> and you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I am so looking forward to all of the hate comments I get over this episode. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night. Is this a joke? There must be some mistake. Am I on candid camera? Am I even awake? Fuck me!
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.